So hello and welcome to the return of the Race Hour podcast. Delighted to have you all with us. Of course, my name's Dean Ryan. I'm sat in gambling.com towers as the new sponsor of the Race Hour. That is gambling.com. I've got Dermot Nolan on the line. Dermot, how are you? Oh, good, Dean. How are you, man? Good to have you back on the Race Hour. Can't wait to get this going, of course, in the run-up to the Cheltenham Festival. Also with us is, uh, well, a newcomer to the Race Hour, but going to be a very regular contributor, and that is uh, jockey Paddy Asbold. Paddy. How are you, lads? Delighted to have you on, I have to say. Um, how are you keeping? Yeah, spot on. Uh, delighted to be part of the team now and uh, hope we can be of help to some of the listeners and give them some pointers in the right direction, please, God. You'll certainly do a little bit better than me and Dermo normally do, I think. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that is a fact. And um, The format, as everyone will remember from the race out, of course, is much the same as we go through between now and the Cheltenham Festival. We are going to start by taking a look at the weekend that was, some of the big guns that came out. Paddy, of course, now has a column on gambling.com that does exactly that, looks at Cheltenham pointers from the weekend and where they might end up at the festival. And I guess, Dermo, I might kick off with you on this because we did see Altior back. Disappointing lineup, perhaps, in the field, but that's what Altior does. Yeah, he's just a freak, isn't he? Um, again, I read I read Paddy's blog last night. He was right. He just kind of dosses in front now. Um, I wouldn't be overly worried about him going left-handed, but there was a very interesting video on Twitter. Um, I forget the name of the person that put it up, but his his theory is basically that it's just what Althea has got used to now is going left-handed so much that he kind of sets himself up on his left side. Um, and the video was very, very interesting, but I just wouldn't be worried about it. He's just such a freak. As Nico de Boimble said very confidently after the race, he's beaten everything that he'll face again. And it's um, it's a long time until we might see a horse, I think, that's kind of good enough to beat him. It's just where does he stand now with the kind of the best two-mile horses because he's a different he's a different type of horse than them. And he's more of a staying two-miler. And he'd strike me as a horse that could easily go up and trip because he finishes so full of running, as he pointed out last year in the champion chase. And it's just breathtaking to watch him. And we're just very lucky to have him around him. Yeah, I, th- I completely agree. I, th- I think we are hugely lucky. It's an interesting question, though. Paddy might have some thoughts on this. If you try and rank him in the grand scheme of things in terms of two-mile chasers, um, as Dermo says, he kind of stands out a little bit on his own because he wouldn't be as flashy as a masterminded. He doesn't have that kind of stamp of maybe a chess piece class like Sprinter Sacra has. And he often hits a little flat spot. He's a big lump that dosses, Paddy. I think that's how you put it. Yeah, it, it's amazing, you know, Dean, because... I do just think he isn't he isn't having to fire on all cylinders as he's going around because he's that good. Um, and look, it's like ourselves. If we can take things easy at times, if we get the chance, we'll do that. And, you know, so you can't really knock the horse there. And I think the fact of the matter is, like I said in the article, you know, the, 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 he scares the opposition off so much. This it's two and three runners. Nobody wants to go near him. He's having to cut out his own running. Um, now I would probably agree. I don't know whether it was Nico or, or Nicky Henderson said that. You know, it was the the Kempton race, the special tiara. You know, he, he's a, he's always gone a bit left. And Nicky said the uh, his horse was actually you know it, that's where he's picked up this habit but in fairness he has done it in the past before that um but you know no one near as much as what he did the other day but even that day when he did run at Kempton I mean he went off one to eight but you know he was a little bit hard work for Nico because he had to chivy him be literally because he's running behind the bridle and he's just not doing enough his revs aren't high enough and and it's only really until he actually gets aggressive with him and sort of 
tells him, you know, come on, we've got to go do a bit of graft here, that then he starts to impress and, 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 and go about his job. But I think for me, he's just literally, he's only having to work at sort of 70, 75%. So visually he is probably been a little bit underwhelming, but I think it's literally down to sheer lack of opposition. Is there ever a possibility that a horse like Altior, who doesn't have to operate at full speed to go and put away whatever can be bothered to turn up and face him and take the chance, that he gets a little bit too comfortable and one day Nico might go, come on, this is time to get going. And he just says, do you know what? I'm not going to. Well, it's maybe not so much that, but you make a good point, Dean, is maybe one day, although he's so good on his feet, maybe one day he could really just miss one out because, you know, the thing is, what I've always found is when you've got a really, really good jumper and a horse who's good on his feet, when they fall, they will take a very bad one um, simply because they've got to get it drastically wrong to end up on the floor. Now, that's the only thing because his concentration might might lack. And the more and more he has to turn up in contests like this in literally, literally sort of non-events, something like that could always happen. Um, so you would always like to see to see him in as sort of competitive races as you can, just to keep his game up because you'd hate to see a real nice horse like him on the floor because he, he jumps far too well for that to happen, you know. Yeah, he is a terrific jumper. Okay, I mean, we talked about Altior a fair bit there. We all know that he's going for the champion chase. They will resist stepping up and trip perhaps until Christmas of 2019 when he might take on a King George, which I think everyone wants to see. And that might establish him, certainly in my view, as you know one of the great greats. He's already a great two-miler, but imagine he could win a King George demo. Would that be a legacy-ending kind of position for him? He's not done at the game, but if he did go and win a King George... Where would that put him? Would it put him up there right at the very top? It would, of course. I mean, with these with these fantastic horses, you don't want any questions at the end of their careers. You know, like Kay Vega could well have been one of the the, the real greats. And, she, you know, she did her, her mares in a row title, etc. But there was always that question, I wonder, could she have beaten Big Bucks? Or I wonder, could she have uh, have done this? And same with Annie Powers, you know, could she have done three champion hurdles in a row? had they kind of not backed out the first time. And you've all those kind of questions was with Altior now, you'd love him to do his second, his second queen mother and then go up and trip. But the, the one concern now about the King George has to be the fact that if no matter how he learned it, if he has learned now to jump out to his left, uh, Kempton won't definitely won't help him. Um, but he probably would just be good enough to get away with it anyway. Uh, but it's still just that if he starts to develop a habit, a habit in horses, of course, Paddy will be able to tell you more than this, but a habit seems to be very hard to get a horse out of it. And uh, if if he's developed that, you would, you'd have to be concerned with that. But I think if he was still to rock up, I, I'd say no, he could put, he could put two of us up on his back and he'd still take a lot of beating, I'd say. Yeah, you'd have to think so. He is he is that type of horse with afterburners. They don't come along too often. Uh, let's move on to a couple of horses that ran um, at Haydock. Mr. Fisher and Global Citizen, one in a Supreme trial, one in what was called a champion hurdle trial, but perhaps lacks any of the main protagonists for a champion hurdle. Paddy, I might come to you first. Uh, let's talk about Global Citizen, a really admirable horse for Ben Pauling. Wears his heart on his sleeve and probably a little bit lucky to get it done in that new one Unibet hurdle though at the weekend. Yeah, I think so. Um, like I said, it was just it wasn't Silver Streak's race to lose, but just that very uncharacteristic mistake which he made in the straight, it, it, momentum wise, it was an absolute killer. 
and you know a global citizen doesn't need a second opportunity to, to to go and put a race to bed and that's what he did and i mean in fairness silver streak did make a bit of late gains but you know the business end had gotten away from him and i mean the thing about why i was disappointed with silver streak is because Evan Williams, who very rarely talks his horses up, very rarely talks about them in, in a good light at all. He's a very down-to-earth, realistic trainer. But, you know, he actually came out and said that he really fancied Silver Streak for the trial on, on Saturday. So I'd say they were a little bit disappointed because for me, I haven't really, not so much I haven't warmed the global citizen, but I think Ben Pauling has done exceptionally well with him and he's placed him very well and he's had a cracking season. But for me, um, he'd be a long way off a champion hurdle horse. And, you know, I think the way he sort of runs his races and the style he goes about it come March time you're not going to have a very fresh horse on your hands And um, but nonetheless he's had a cracking good year but whether he would be of much interest to me come the middle of March I couldn't really see it to be honest Dean No I'd definitely be on the same page as you there as well I mean Demo that race as a contest some nice horses in there none of them going to shake up the champion hurdle picture and i don't want to you know labor on this too long because we're going to do a champion hurdle preview towards the end of this podcast but i mean anything in that race apart from fair play to connections of the winner and perhaps an unlucky second that you know you want to mention there Dan? i he's not as bad as we probably think he is i mean i said my article during the week i i previewed the champion hurdle as well and i said was well, of course i couldn't see him for win purposes we're not dealing with a normal year of the champion hurdle um like a lot of the horror, we are, I won't labour on that too much, obviously, because I'll be running later on the podcast. But global citizen placing in the champion hurdle wouldn't shock me whatsoever. I mean, this was a horse who who was he went off favourite for the top novices grade one at Aintree last year, in which Lawler won. It, it kind of went wrong from that day. He didn't put in his proper running in the Christmas hurdle. He made that horrible mistake at, at the second and just kind of never got back into it. I wouldn't in a million years put him up for the champion hurdle, but this year of all years, it kind of wouldn't shock me where were he to pull off a place to be honest uh, but Ben Pauling has done some job and Ben Pauling is definitely a trainer well on the up yeah I agree I agree and he knows how to handle a decent horse so you know fair play to them they are going to take their chance and they'll go at rag enough odds with Global Citizen you never know Silver Street will pop up somewhere of course at the festival too um, let's move on to Mr Fisher Dem, I think you're a little bit a fan of, of this type for the Supreme perhaps he's yeah, I wouldn't say he's a dark horse but he's He's perhaps not being talked about in the same light as an Angel's Breath or maybe even Vision Donner is going to run over the Dublin Racing Festival. There's a few guns getting more talked up than Mr. Fisher so far. There is definitely. Um, the one the one thing that he has on side though is he's gone and he's done it. Um, def- Nicky definitely doesn't seem to talk about this horse in the same light as he does Angel's Breath. He, he seems to love Angel because even at Kempton at Christmas when Mr. Fisher won that day beating Thomas Darby and um, and Rouge Vilf, I believe was the name of the horse. I probably pronounced it. Uh, in a balls are pronouncing that now. But um, he beat them both and he he did it rather comfortably. But even that day, Nicky still mentioned Angel's Breath um, after Mr. Fisher had won. And you're kind of just wondering, you know, what does Mr. Fisher need to do now to go up the reckoning? And this was another rock-solid performance. Uh, I'm a big fan of Angel's Breath, but it wouldn't surprise me were Nicky to have the 1-2 in the Supreme again at the moment because of the ground and the way it's been. We don't really know how good all these horses are. There's been no real clashes, but Mr. Fisher has done nothing wrong. And that horse that finished second again have been Pauling's uh, bright prospect. He'd won twice very well before that. Um, he's no back number whatsoever. And I think this form could turn out to be something decent, but the way I'd look at Mr. Fisher was he could run well in a Supreme. He's shown how good he is at the flat track and he could be a horse maybe to, to run well in a, uh, a Supreme and then go on and win at the Entry Festival possibly. 
Yeah, it could be. It could be that horse. Um, there's Nicky always has a couple, at least, for this race. Paddy, what did you make of Mr. Fisher? Is it that important that they do get all those runs into him? We've had such a weird year with the way the rain hasn't come that maybe he's a little bit ahead of the other ones, even though they're more hyped because they're not getting the, the same amount of action. Yeah, I mean, he is very low mileage, isn't he, Mr. Fisher? But, I mean, look, you can't help but be impressed with him. I mean, because the other day... I fancy the second bright forecast. Um, he's a fine big strapping horse. For me, I think the hurdle just get in the way a little bit. He's a, he's a proper chaser, this chap. But you'll see it very regular at Haydock. It's a real big, wide open sweeping bend away from the stands there. And it is very, very tempting for a horse just to have a look out at the horse gate there, the, the entrance. And, and that's what he did. And I mean, I know, look, you've got you've got an eye on a full circuit still to race, but it really knocked his rhythm the other day. And for me, after that, he didn't jump as well. He wasn't carrying Dave Bass as well after. And I mean, not so much that he set it up for, for Mr. Fisher, but he really did take from his chance. But nonetheless, I'm not going to knock him because Mr. Fisher has, has beaten him quite comfortably by two and a half lengths. So um, I think the best horse has won on the day. But it would have been interesting to see if he hadn't have had that little hiccup pass in the stands, if, he, if he'd have put it up to him. Because, you know, bright forecast, he's got a bit more experience. Um, you know, he's a bigger, stronger horse. But nonetheless, Mr. Fisher... He's, he's he's just a winner and and uh, he looks very good and like I say he's he really he's still a bit of a blank page because he's just such low mileage. Might be interesting though from your comments about the second Airbright forecast that that is one you think going forward is going to have a pretty solid career though. Oh, I definitely think so. Like, he's a beautiful horse and and I really do like him. I think the new reform um, that he had was very strong. Um, but I just still think he's a bit wet behind the ears and he's a bit babyish. It would have been nice if something had have maybe just done his running for him the other day. But anyway, that's, yeah. the, 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 that's the way we ended up. But um, he, he did blot his copybook a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, he's only five and, and you, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't write him off just yet. But I think this horse really, his future is when he starts jumping the larger obstacles really. I think that's when we'd see, see the best of him. Sure. He's learning on the track a little bit. A couple of other races um, at Ascot I might touch on before we do move forward and take a look at some of the action coming up at Goran Park and, of course, over the weekend. Um, Ballymoy was a decent winner of a grade three hurdle. Uh, name put uh, what I thought was quite a decent field to bed in a handicap chase at Ascot. And Jessica Harrington, with a bit of opportunistic um, pot hunting because Robbie Power was over at the course, picked up the uh, OLBG mares with Magical Lights. So what, fair play to them. Uh, Paddy, I'm going to ask you about Ballymoy, though. I think you quite like this animal. Yeah, he's very likable um, because, look, he, he had a mountain of weight to carry around a stiff track the other day. And, you know, he's not an over big horse. He's just a handy sort of size. But I just like the way he went about his business. And, you know, from the back of the last Colonial Dreams had every chance. But, you know, Ballymoy was giving him so much weight um, you know, it was just ultra impressive. Um, I thought he looked an absolute picture on the day. And, you know, I, I wasn't surprised to see him win. I thought it was going to be a big ask at sort of with a 12 stone on his back. And like I did mention in the article, I was delighted to see Tom Bellamy get the leg up on him because, you know, he's not a lad that you would associate with, with, with Saturday winners because he just hasn't had the opportunity. But when the chance was given it to him on Saturday, he grabbed it with both hands and he didn't let his boss down. So it worked out well for everybody. 
Nigel's like that though, isn't he, with his riders? Oh god, he is. Yeah, you know, he does. He has always kept it in house. Um, you know, even Zach Baker, there, amateur, uh, Jamie Bargery, and then that poor lad who had to retire. Um, uh, the other lad who hurt his back last year. You know, he, he used all. Yeah, you know, he, he he used all the lads in the yard, and I mean, the likes of Jamie Bargery and whatever. Them lads have improved so much because they're getting the leg up on, on on some nice ones on a Saturday when when Sam is going elsewhere and whatnot. And so it's it, it, it's fantastic and, and and good on him, you know. Yeah, fair play. I know that JJ Slevin, who's been on this podcast before, spent a bit of time at the Twist and Davies Yard and just couldn't say enough about how they give them the opportunities and give them the chance to to get involved with the good horses. Um, Dermo, I mentioned a couple of other horses there as well, including Ballymoy, likes a sign name and Magical Light. Anything else that you um, wanted to pick up on from Ascot or anywhere else over the weekend? Uh, Dickie Diver on Friday at Chepstow ran a huge race on debut as was punted as if uh, losing was out of the question, but ended up drifting just before the off. But uh, travelled through like a big baby um, was very green early on Barry Garrett he had a hard job to, to actually settle him and then jumping three out possibly Barry was a bit too too relaxed on him but I'd say it was more an educational ride than anything else and really flew home behind a Lisnagor Oscar and if there was another half a furlong or even a few lengths he, he would have got up to beat that horse that Lisnagor Oscar of um Rebecca Curtis's was also well backed and is a smart horse. So that Dicky Diver could be very interesting uh, for something like the Albert Bartlett if he was to go that way and maybe get another race into him to get a bit more experience. But he just seemed to, the penny clicked with him kind of late on and um, he seemed to really fly home. He's definitely a horse that uh, that is one to keep an eye on, Dean. Yeah, good shout. Looks a really good prospect. A lot of talk about that horse as well before he came out. So, and then I think, you know, a few bit of pocket talking afterwards, unfortunately, on social media as you get. But I think what you were looking at is a work in progress and a horse that's going to go probably pretty close to top level. And maybe even, like you say, uh, perhaps towards the festival time this season. Um, all right. Well, why don't we move ahead and have a quick look at Goran Park? Because anyone listening to this podcast before they race there um, will be interested to know what we think about it. Of course, the big talking point uh, for Goran Park is going to be the return of presenting Percy. Now, we all hope that he comes back fit and firing and ready to go, but I'm not sure that's that important with with a Patrick Kelly horse. He's such a master of getting them right for the actual festival itself. We've all wondered where we might see presenting Percy. Um, I know you two will have had a look at the race. Uh, I'm interested, Paddy, to, to understand whether you think this is anything like a big event for presenting Percy in terms of a gold cup picture or I mean he's he's actually getting taken on Paddy by everything Mullins is running six Elliot has got four in the race even Joey's sending one to take him on it's nothing like he faced last year no it's true um I mean like you say just looking down through him um it's very very dominated isn't it really by sort of two stables really but I mean this man is it, is it Pat Kelly? I mean, what an unbelievable trainer because he's, numbers-wise, I don't know where he's at, but I'd imagine he's not very big. Um, but Davy Russell, every time you hear the man's name mentioned, he cannot sing his praises high enough um, about how he just gets a horse ripe for a day. And all you've got to do is read down to present in Percy's form. I mean, last year, obviously, he won this the Galmoy last year, but we only seen him three times in the Galmoy. Then he they dropped him back in trip um, behind our Duke um, at Gorn again, and then he uh, when he finished second, and then he went to Cheltenham. Um, 
he's just placed him so nicely the year before even same thing kept him fresh um you know he's, he's obviously an excellent trainer i think the making of this horse has been two things really probably davy russell taking over the reins and tying his tongue down um since they've done that because he's a big strong lad uh you would think maybe his his wind is just slightly thick um so the the, the tongue strap certainly seems to help him but I just heard one or two, you know, when he has been asked, Davy Russell of late, um, you know, because they've said that they're a bit worried about the, the ground conditions just being a little bit too dry for this horse. At times, I've, I've sort of got the impression he's not been keen to talk about the horse. So I just hope there's nothing underlying. Um, I mean, look, we're going to find out tomorrow and I'm sure the horse wouldn't be turning up if, if an excellent trainer like Pat Kelly wasn't happy with him. But I've found that he's tried to... Or I say maybe avoid the conversation, or just try and uh, try and pa- pass it over if if, if he could. So uh, I just like to be sat here, sort of this time tomorrow, having seen the race, seen how he is, if he's fitting well, and where we're at. Um, because I just don't know if we'd be the biggest surprise in the world if they've had maybe one or two little minor issues with him. Sure. I, I, could, I could be completely wrong, but that's just me trying to read between the lines. Just well, from the sort of body language I've picked up when when I've heard him on the TV, been been maybe he's just fed up being asked about the horse or whatever. But um, I don't know. But I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow for sure. Uh, we have to be, you know, in that position. And I guess he's never really been asked about presenting Percy when he's the Gold Cup favourite, and we haven't mm. seen him this season. There's a lot of question marks about him. Demo, I know you're a massive fan of Pat Kelly, and and this horse, I think perhaps took a little bit longer to warm to you as a as a superstar but that RSA performance last year we're finally going to see him again but he faces a pretty stiff task on return he does definitely uh, I yeah I'm blue in the face for trying to take on this horse and I'm kind of giving up on it now uh, last year in the RSA I just couldn't understand how a pretense winner could be a, a superstar but it's just the way the, the route that Pat Kelly went it's kind of nearly similar to, uh, to Carlingford Locke who, who started off in a Galway plate but you, you, you kind of always got the sense afterwards that he probably should never have been in a race like that that it was it was kind of you know working the handicap to your benefit which is always always a good thing to know as a trainer as well but the um, just when you look at the RSA I mean Elegant Escape and Turret has come out and won the Welsh National Mon Lee who probably doesn't stay three miles still was second in Alexis so nearly without running yet presenting Percy is is favour for the Gold Cup and you can see why um, everything he beat last year is kind of is coming out and doing well I think he should win this race really he, he you know he did last year went on then and beat our Duke and I just think he'll he really should go very very close and it's um, it's it's just interesting to see if he's alive because I'd love to see a chase run into him he'll probably go the exact same route as last year um, for a Gold Cup it's a bit mad, but again, Native River only had one run before he went on to win the Gold Cup last year, so I don't think it'll be it'll be too much of an issue for him. Yeah, it looks like if he's fully tuned, he go close to winning this. Even though you know the big guns from the other yards have come out come out to take him on, they're all everyone's looking for a run. So I don't think that's that's too surprising perhaps to see him take on a strong field. And then you would think they might go the same route they went last year, which is drop back in trip, go back to Goran again, and then go to Cheltenham. If that all goes to plan, I can see presenting Percy going off quite short for a Gold Cup. I don't think he necessarily has to win uh, this week at all. And we'll just hopefully get him out and see how he goes. There's also the Thiestes chase uh, on the card. Uh, really strong renewal of this, actually. Goes to post after 
um, the Galmoy hurdle. Invitation only. Maldini's in there again. Pat Kelly, Patrick Mullen's going to ride that one. Um, Sam Neck, who I think some people are touting up for, you know, a potential festival win this year. He seems to have come to himself now as a as a big big lad of an eight year old. Uh, the Thaisties Chase is a cracking race, of course, because we've had some some really nice Gold Cup types come out of it, likes of Jack Adam uh, on his own. Paddy, what do you make of the Thaisties? I mean, I don't necessarily think we need to find the winner of the race, but I mean, it's an interesting contest. Yeah, and uh, look, it's it's always well contested. I mean, just going back quick to the Galway hurdle. I mean, that's actually the most runners. If you just tell you sort of how how different the ground is in Ireland uh, this year, because I mean, I don't think they've had a bigger field than sort of eight or nine, whereas they've got twelve tomorrow, and like you say, a very well contested field and. As always with the Tiestis, it's it's full. The race is full up, and the, you've got your three reserves in there. But I mean, we've got eight Willie Mullins, six Gordon Elliott, five Jiggenstown. It's 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 just how how Irish racing is now, isn't it? But nonetheless, at the end of the day, we're we're, we're still dealing with some very very high class animals here. Um, I mean. We've got last year's winner in there, Monbeg Notorious. I've uh, not seen him for 275 days. There was one a little bit further down the weights, which I think off 11 stone, if they let him off in the front end, he's a bit of a free gore up for review with Paul Townend on board. Um, I'd give this horse a big, big chance, but like I say, it's so competitive. And um, I mean, e- even if we do have nuns, we, we've got some very high-class reserves that that can come in and, and fit, fill up them gaps. But um, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, super race demo. I mean, Paddy mentions up for review. That'll be going the on, on his own route, who went and absolutely trounced uh, a field in this very race from miles out the front and sort of built up a massive lead. Maybe they'll do the same. What do you make of the race demo? Yeah, it's again, we're still asking the question, how is Willie Mullins' horses? Uh, you know, it was kind of an incredible feat thing last weekend that Camille the Cot was actually his first winner on any weekend in uh, in January. Uh, which is something you'd never would have said about the Willie Mullins yard. You know, he only had three runners last weekend. Uh, so it is a question still of how his horses are. I, I doubt he'd be having runners if his horses weren't right, but he could just be trying to get runs into them. But if if there was some bit of a sign that his horses were well, to be honest, I would be falling onto the some neck train. Um, you know, he's he won a beginner's chase here at, at Goran Park. Last time he was very good at Punchdown when he won the grade two beating, beating blow by blow. Um, gets in here, of 10 stone 13 and uh, Richie Deegan who's one of the best amateurs he claims five pounds off his back he's a, a jockey that Willie knows well and uses him quite a bit so like the additional five pounds it means that invitation only kind of has to give him nearly 13 pounds which is it's a fair old whack like I'm a big fan of invitation only I, I thought he was still going very well in that JLT last year when he slipped up uh, four out he definitely wasn't done there And but some neck is kind of coming to himself he has the Goran Park experience um, and at odds of eight nine to one, I kind of will be laying. Uh, I will be falling towards him, but definitely not uh, not a big wagering race team. No, perhaps not. I mean, a fascinating contest. I, I know the Wileys love the race, and of course, Willie Mullins is going deep, deep. But his two, Paddy's one that he likes up for review, and invitation only would be where I'd look. I mean, Maldini's an interesting runner there because you just assume with Pat Kelly. Uh, that it's being set up for another crack at Cheltenham. Of course, it is a Cheltenham's winner. And then... Is it just, though, maybe that they're, they're, they're just giving Patrick a spin before a Kim Weir, maybe? Yeah, I would think so. And that, that kind of looks how it's going to be. So that means maybe not a betting proposition, which 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I think he's a very interesting runner in there. It's a, it's a hard, it's full of question marks that race. I can't wait for it. It's going to be a fascinating uh, golf ISDs at Goran this week. So, fingers crossed. We see um, what we want to see. Everyone come back safe and sound, and we actually, you know maybe sort out a bit of pecking order there, but I'm not sure we will. It's going to be a fascinating race. Everyone needs a run. Um, the weekend itself that's coming ahead, of course, big day for, for Betbright and uh, and their Betbright Trials Day. Uh, maybe let's just kick off with the main race there because it's it's a decent contest. I'm interested to know what people think about it as a Gold Cup trial, though. The likes of Froden, Elegant Escape, Val Tor, all interesting horses. American is there still on the trying to come back. Manila Rocco's run well in the big one itself. Um, looks like eight might line up, Derma. Yeah, it's it's not really a Gold Cup trial, is it? I mean, if, if Presente Percy comes, well, then Elegant Escape has 18 lengths to make up with him uh, on that RSA run last year. And unless there is something wrong with Presenting Percy, that's, that's a mammoth task, uh, regardless of how much Elegant Escape has clearly improved this year, but Elegant Escape in that West National beat that Ramsey, the two laser, however you pronounce it, of uh, of David Pipes. And you kind of struggle to see that as Gold Cup form. But again, we kind of would have said the same about Native River and he went on that season to run an absolute blinder in that Gold Cup. So Elegant Escape could well, but Elegant Escape is the one that I'm falling on here. I just I think he has to be better than Frodon. Uh, as much of a legend that Frodon is, he's, I just can't have him for this race over three miles at Cheltenham, to be honest. And I think... Uh, at eleven to four, the markets found him now because he was seven to do four to one yesterday. It's kind of he's shortening every day, and he has no fear here. I mean, he was third in that aforementioned RSA, and he's won and got to soft ground. He um, he beat Black Cortland at Sandown last year, so I think Elegant Escape is uh, he'll take the world of beating here, Dean. Yeah, I think um, Paddy. I mean, you come in on Elegant Escape here, and and perhaps Frodon because he could be the one. He's only seven. Frodon amazingly is still only seven, but Elegant Escape could be the one that has any amount of improvement to come. Whereas Frodon, because we've seen him so many times, that maybe that is his level. It's a very good level. Yeah, I mean, Elegant Escape. I mean, really. It's very rare you see a gamble in such an attritional race as a Welsh national, um, you know, and 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 the fact that the fact that this horse won in the style that he did and how well backed he was and really up the running, he was absolutely dusted, um, you know, and eleven stone eight on his back that day. I've not, I I know it was as far as Welsh nationals go ground wise, it was probably the nicest ground they've had in a long time because generally. It's called off, isn't it? They've got to run it three days later. But um, but still, nonetheless, the confidence that he was backed with and the way he went round um, and how well he won, because half of the running, you were thinking, oh, no, he's got, he, he, your man's going to get him. Um, the, the second's going to get him. But he was literally just dusting. And on the, I know it's a bit of a downhill run to the line at Chepstow, but he's running away again down to the line. And uh, he's just so... He, he's very, very exciting. And, I mean, off the back of that wind up that he's had he's looked absolutely exceptional this year and I think Colin Tizard you know uh, I'd agree with you Frodon's exactly the same age but he has got more mileage but Frodon is probably from what I've seen of him certainly this season he's one of the toughest animals in training because you know even around Cheltenham the last day that horse of Gary Moore's um oh what's he called um I can't think of his name in the in the rousing colours um, that that took him on. I mean, his heart takes a fair bit of breaking, but Frodon just killed him, um, and they they went far too quick, 
um, you know, the, the especially the way conditions were. But the way your man kept galloping, um, it was just unreal. Baron Alco, I mean, although you only won by a bit. Yeah, yeah. Baron Alco, and I mean, Baron Alco, he's tough as nails. Um, but 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 Frodon broke his heart. I broke his heart a long way from home, round, round the track that you know Baron Alco acts around himself. Um, it was an absolutely exceptional performance, you know. And and the thing is, when they they mess back in November, I mean, I just think Baron Alco was a he, he was a fresh horse, and probably on the day, uh, Frodon probably didn't eyeball him enough um, compared to w- what they did the last day. But it was it was an exceptional performance. I mean, I've looked down to his form, to be honest, lads. And I mean, Frodon has got a bit of form over this trip round stiff, stiff tracks. Albeit he's not won um, this far, but it just depends how much the opposition. I mean, there's another Nichols one in there, uh, Black Horton. So that's one less that's not going to eyeball him. It just depends how much he's going to get taken on because, you know, if they don't absolutely murder him, um, over this sort of trip, you just never know because he, he really doesn't know when to lie down. Yeah, he's a, he's a horse you just love to be associated with. And what he's done at this part of his career, he's only seven, which is quite hard to understand. I, I'm going to come down on Elegant Escape as well as the horse with all the potential in the world still to come. Um, and, you know, the market doesn't have that one as favor at the minute. So maybe that can be a podcast charge uh, for race hour listeners with elegant escape in that bet bright trial Cotswold chase um i thought it was fascinating to see blow by blow entered on that card demo a bit of handicap mark hunting from uh, gordon elliott perhaps yeah i'd be shocked to see him arrive uh, i think gordon knows that he, his horses have a six seven pound uh, bounty on their heads whenever he enters them anywhere him and him and tony martin definitely get a, a fair smack from the english handicapper every time so i think uh, he was purely entering to see what sort of a target they'll go for but a mark of 148, you'd be, you'd still be fairly tempted to go for one of those, uh, those staying chases with him. You'd imagine they'd save that till March, but they're going to find something for him. I think he's also entered the likes of Ben Dundee, Cuba Mania's on the card as well, just checking where they probably sit. I don't imagine many of them will get on the boat though, Paddy. No, true. I mean, I think Dermo has absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's, it's about trying to size the job up and see where you're at. And, and, and so then you can sit down again and, and sort of work out firm targets. But yeah, they're, they're testing the water. And But look, it's, 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 it's great thinking and it's sort of part and parcel of the job that you, you've got to do at times. Yeah, worth noting out though, if you're fancying getting involved in any of those races, just be aware uh, they may not actually pop over. The Ballymore Novices Hurdle is on that card, the Grade 2. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jarvie's plate take on Champ if they do go head-to-head. Uh, Paddy, two nice horses there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there was they were saying about the um, the Champ, he was on the drift a little bit, but I mean, I'm looking here now, I mean, he's round about sort of 3-1, to 7-2, but I don't think that the horse of Fogler Bryan's I don't think he's any back number you know this Jarvie's plate uh, been, been yeah. very very impressed with him uh, and, and also I mean that performance the last day was I mean he absolutely blew them away and um, although he's seven pound rated seven pound below Champ Champ is one of them horses where if they're not going to come hard off the bridle uh, and you've not you've yet to get to the bottom of them it's hard to get a gauge on them. I know it sounds a little bit daft, but, um, you know, Champ is still a little bit of an unknown quantity because until they're actually tested and they're asked to go from fourth gear into fifth, you don't know what they're going to find. Um, but nonetheless, 
he he's looked exceptional so far. Um, he's by that excellent Sir King's Theatre. He looks all class, but I think this will be at the weights is you know roundabout is 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 tough as is tough as ass to date, and, and we're going to find out an awful lot on Saturday. What do you make of those couple demos? Of course, there's there's a stronger race than that. What do you what do you make of that race? I was shocked, yeah, that uh, Garrett has been jacked up on uh, on Champ. It's, it's kind of not like Nicky to to run the horse that that quick within each other. But I suppose you're just struggling for runs so much that you're just probably trying to get them out as much as you can. Um, to be honest, I'd be falling on Jarvis State as well. I, I was really impressed with that win last time. I mean, he put twelve lengths behind him in that uh, over course and distance and. If he can just keep improving, it would be fantastic for Fergal O'Brien to have uh, a really good Cheltenham Festival grade one contender. And this horse really isn't far off that at all. And I just hope now he can take one step further because whilst he might be a small bit unfashionable at the moment, if he manages to win this, uh, he'd be a lot shorter than what he currently is. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a that's a fascinating race. Should mention uh, Birchdale still in that contest could be anything for Nicky Henderson. We don't know if that will turn up. It's not jocked up yet. Um, of course, ahead of the weekend. What about the Cleve Hurdle? Fascinating race as it always is every year. Um, really good to see Sue, Sue Smith have a good one in Midnight Shadow. Emma Lavelle has Paisley Park, who I think shocked a few people last day. And if Sam Spinner, Spinner decides uh, to to actually decide to race again. Uh, we've got a fascinating cleave there, among others. Paddy, what do you make of it? Very good. I was impressed with Midnight Shadow. Um, you know, a rare venture down south for for the Sue Smith team. But I think people have got to gain confidence in the fact that when they do fetch one down, you know, they really they really don't go down for, for you know, to keep any owners happy or just to tick any boxes. They go, they take horses to, to Southern tracks if they think they've got a real good chance. Um, that's something that mm-hmm. I've noticed down the years with the Sue Smith team and he's a fair horse as Midnight Shadow he's always been held in pretty high regard by Sue Smith and they have campaigned him very well and um, that was a real good effort the last day um, interesting to see Black Up I thought I thought they might just persist over fences maybe go to a smaller track and just see if they could you know improve his jumping and get a bit more fluency because I thought Lo Fahili done a great job to get him around there basically the last day, but to finish as close as he did um, in the end, considering how moderately he jumped, you know, he's got some engine on him, this horse. So, I mean, back over the smaller obstacles in the Cleve on Saturday, he's a horse who could put it up to them, you know, because like I said, he's, he's, he's run generally pretty well every time he has turned up at Cheltenham, but uh, Paisley Park... He's another one. He's on the up. I think I'd, I'd agree with you. I think connections were taken aback a little bit at the at the performance the last time, and sort of maybe sort of finding out the level he was up to. But nonetheless, he he, he did win. Um, and the other one you mentioned, Dean Sam Spinner. It's heartbreaking to watch him really because for me, I just think that he had so many hard races last year. I mean, I know he, he had an incredible season, but his style of racing, I just think now they have maybe not gone to the well once too often with him, but I, I think they he pushed the horse himself, pushed himself past the point where is now he's just thinking, I don't fancy this anymore. Because, I yeah. mean, at... Yeah, he was running okay at Newbury. He wasn't going to do any damage when he was unlucky and, and uh, you'd see it. But when they tried to ride him, how they normally ride him at Ascot the last day, he looked like a horse who had no more interest 
in being there than I don't know what. He he just wanted to be out of there, and I I really didn't like his body language. So going to be interesting to see. I mean, connections on the day they actually blame the hurdles, but a jump's a jump. At the end of the day, he's a racehorse. And he's jumped enough for him now, and he's gone around Cheltenham and all the big tracks. I couldn't have it, and it was a track he'd won round as well. For me, I think mentally, I hope I'm wrong, but I think they've lost him. You know? Yeah. That's, that is how it seems. I mean, Jed O'Keefe, I think, on social media just yesterday said that he was doing everything right at home again. He was schooling well. So it's, he is a conundrum in that race. There's no doubt about it. Sam Spinner on top form is a big, big player in that contest. Uh, you mentioned Black Op, and I wanted to come to Derma about Black Op because, you know, they've made that decision early enough, haven't they, to abandon fences? And this just might be the right way for him to have a, a really big part to play in the rest of the season, which is going back to hurdles, staying trips. The engine is there, Derma. The engine's definitely there. I mean, he's a three mile point to point winner. Um, he's a serious horse, just his form from last season. You know, he was only run down late at, at Cheltenham last year on trials day as well by, by Santini. He then went on to Cheltenham and I know Sam Crow's blown up some bit this year, but still he he was running him down up the running. If anything else, he looked like a staying trip would help him. Uh, chasing just definitely hasn't worked out for him. He just hasn't looked anything like he should have done this season. But see, as much as I admire Paisley Park, um, I just think that he's definitely flattered by that win last time out. Um, they're well entitled to dream and uh, all power to connections. But you know what I mean? Harry and Sam Spinner both kind of fell out of the race, obviously. He was left end to beat West Approach and top notch in third, who isn't a three mile hurdler and who was having his first run for 279 days and kind of definitely needed to run. I think that that performance definitely, definitely flattered him. And as much as a massive fan I am of of Sue Smith. Her horses would they'd run through a pane of glass for you, but um, it's still just you're kind of looking at her, kind of going midnight shadow. And last time beat Holstone and um, Old Guard. I mean, they're two horses we know where we stand with them. So in the bigger picture of um, of a three mile hurdle like this, I think the kind of the one horse that I'd love to see really stamp his authority and a horse who I could see winning the stairs is Black Up and he's currently 14, 16 to 1 for the world hurdle and or for the stairs hurdle. Apologies, I'd nearly take that now because if he wins in the Cleve hurdle, he's not going to be that price again. Completely agree. I think we're on the verge of another podcast charge there between Paddy, myself, and um, with Black Op. I think he is the fascinating horse in that cleave. Okay, we've had a look at what's to come at Goran Park and the weekend. We're going to take a break, and after the break on the race hour, we are going to be talking all about the champion hurdle and where we stand ahead of the well, the big championship race on the first day at the festival. We'll come back. Check out gambling.com today for up-to-date horse racing trends, betting news, and strategy guides. Take advantage of our exclusive bonus offers for the biggest online bookmakers and casinos. At gambling.com, we write daily tipping pieces on the biggest sports. We find the best prices so you don't have to. Make placing a bet easier. Visit gambling.com today. Okay, and welcome back to the Race Hour, uh, brought to you with our friends at gambling.com, Paddy Aspel, Dermot Nolan, and myself, Dean Ryan. And we're going to take a look now at the first part of our anti-post Cheltenham previews. We're going to start with the champion hurdle. Um, it's a fascinating race this year, and perhaps not an open-shut case, because we've seen quirks now in the top end of the market. And we've got to start with Bouvardet. Dermot, I'm going to come to you first. I know you're a massive fan of the horse, but what have we seen this season that we perhaps haven't seen before? He's been beaten, obviously, but 
you know, he was devastating against Sam Crow, and then it kind of all went wrong behind Vidana Blue. It it did, but there's also an argument that kind of has to be made that he probably just hasn't been at his best at Kempton ever. I mean, he's made hard work of beating the new one the year before that, uh, kind of was bustled along like he kind of was in that race and went away. He's just always got away with it. I mean, he bumped into a horse who absolutely loves Kempton, loves a fast track like that in Verdana Blue and Barry Garrity put his hands up after the race and said, look, I have no complaints. Uh, I'd kind of, I'd go along with that. He probably just, he's not at his best there. I mean, his best performance every year is arguably really the entry hurdle where he has that bit more ground to kind of leave himself down. He adores the hill and he has to be one of the most disrespected horses that there has been in the fact that we're dealing with a horse here whose major loss was the Supreme Novices when Noel Feely arguably gave him a, a kind of a half-decent ride only out the back and he flew home. But Min and Altior were ahead of him that day. He's gone on since to win two champion hurdles, two entry hurdles, win everything all around him. Um, and he's just an absolute superstar. But definitely, Dean, this is the year I, I'd be kind of leaning towards taking him on because I've always had a theory, as you know, that race horses, unless they're freaks, only have a certain amount of time at the top level, regardless of how young they start. And I think with Bouvard Air was he could well do it again and he'd more deserved it. He has a favourite chance. Um, I just think we might be approaching that kind of a small decline with him. Yeah, I thought we were seeing a small decline when he only got the better of Melon by a neck in last year's race. And then I thought, no, Bouvardet's back, smashes Sam Crow. And then I thought, oh, here we go again. For Sam Crow's not really though, has he? Like, Sam Crow no, hasn't, and, but yeah. we didn't know that at the time, did we? We yeah. kind of thought Sam Crow could be allowed one below par run and then this was the big race where he'd take it up with Bouvardet and then we saw him get put in his place. So Paddy, the favourite is Bouvardet, 6-4 to four at the minute. Um, that looks a bit of value for a dual champion hurdle winner where the rest have got something to prove but maybe it isn't yeah mate and I suppose one thing you've got to respect um, Dean is this horse's festival record you know he's been to the festival three times you know two wins in a place you know he's a fantastic animal and I think I would agree with Dermo uh, that he was unlucky the last day because Verdana Blue has for a national hunt bred horse has got a fair bit of toe and a fair bit of boot and can actually quicken. And it just caught him, sort of just caught him out a little bit the other day. Nonetheless, he, it was a little bit disappointing. Uh, you couldn't get away from that. But really, it was it was, it was the first time he's disappointed, um, really, since since he's come, come on the scene as a very good animal. But, I mean, at the weights, he's 172. I mean... He's not miles ahead of some of them here. I mean, last year's last year's second melon is one six four. But for me, I think this year, on what I've seen of her and the jockey's reaction the last two times he's ridden her, I think it's going to be Apple's Jade if she if she turns up for the champion hurdle. Have we really any, think? Have, have we any idea if she's going to turn up? I don't think they're going to do that, Paddy. I mean, I know there's massive clamor for it, and you've just added to that now in terms of if this, if Apples has turned inside out and put, you know, very average two mile form. If you go back to, you know, beaten by Rashan, beaten by Irving over two miles, and then stepped up and trip looks completely different mare. Um, I think if she turns up, she'll get beat. But I can understand why, on what we've seen this season, she looks like a different animal. Demo, where are you on Apples, Jade? Uh, it all hinges, doesn't it, on the Irish champion hurdle. Uh, I mean, very she, much so. If she comes out and hammers them, well, then yeah, she's a different mare. But I, I can more than see the argument, and I, and I say this in the blog 
I can more than see it. It definitely will come down to that. But I just think Michael O'Leary and Gordon Elliott, I, I don't think they care. Like, I genuinely think that if they thought she was going to win that old charity race, she probably would be in that. I don't think they care <laughs> what race they win at the Cheltenham Festival as long as they have a winner. And uh, I think she'll more than likely go there. But if she comes out and absolutely hammers them in the Irish Champion Hurdle, and just for the record, I'd be taking her on in the Irish Champion Hurdle, I'd agree with you. I, I don't think she's that quick. But she's not slow either, to be fair to her. But she'd have to come out and hammer them, Dean, really, for them to have a rethink. Paddy, there's every chance she does come out and win that Irish champion hurdle at the Dublin Racing Festival. And then we end up with a massive dilemma for connections. But, you know, Derma made the point that they're just interested in winning a race at the festival. They have a penalty kick or potentially a penalty kick. Although she got beaten it last year. But or they go for the big pot. What You'd argue to go for the pot. Yeah, that's the disappointing side of it, isn't it, really? Because I think the sort of the way she's come back this year and the sort of the performances she's been putting up, I think she deserves a a crack at it. But Dermo's absolutely spot on. Um, Chances are if if there's a if there's going to be a much softer option there and it gets them a winner on the board, um, that's that that's probably the 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 path they're going to take. But. I really wish they wouldn't because I think she more than deserves her, 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 her chance at it, the sort of performances she's put up this year. But like I say, we're, 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 it's, it's, probably, it's probably doubtful, um, but we'll have to wait and see. We might find out a load more in just a couple of weeks' time, of course. They might completely change their tune. Lorena is in a similar position, doesn't have to go for a champion hurdle, is in there um, at second favourite, three to one. Uh, Willie Mullins, they all seem to be talking about Lorena is going to go for a champion hurdle. Uh, Dermo, would you have Lorena in the pecking order here? I know in the betting, second favourite. I, I- I got a lot of question marks, I think. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of question marks. Um, I loved her last year. I thought she was outstanding in that Mayor's Novice Hurdle. A, I don't think she's the cleanest at her hurdles. Um, she showed that last year in the last at Cheltenham and at Ferry House just after. She kind of tends to run through them. Um, I think a small bit, they might get in her way. I think she'd be a serious chaser. She's some engine, like she's a tank. Um, she really is. A, and clearly she's working the absolute house. So the, the absolute house at home. Like when you look at the fact that Willie Mullins to say after one run at Sandown in a two-runner race for him to say that he thinks she'll go in it straight to Cheltenham now and that Ruby Walsh will ride. Like that's a massive statement for Willie Mullins to say. He, you know, he tends to not say that as Ruby said after the race, so you shouldn't listen to him that much either. But it still is a massive statement. Um, but as far as dominating a mayor's novice division goes, Dean, and then winning one two-runner race against a horse that wouldn't finish tenth in a champion hurdle. I struggle to see where the value is at seven to two. As much as I like her, and as much as she could be something special, I think you'd want your head examined to be back in her at three to one, seven to two, definitely. Uh, she has to do a lot more yeah. for me so far. I want to see a lot more to be getting involved at those prices. Paddy, I'll throw Lorena at you, and I'm also going to throw at you Sharjah, who's turned out of recognition or perhaps just fulfilling all the potential we've seen before and Mellon of course who's had a comeback run which I thought looked promising enough um, in terms of lining up for the champion hurdle again uh, let's throw those three into the mix yeah I mean I suppose look the top and bottom of it with Lorena is apart from falling on her, her debut over in France she's unbeaten um, mm. now she is unbeaten the last run at Sandown was a non-event 
And the fact that the handicapper actually had the cheek to put her up from 152 to 155 off the back of that performance, I mean, I, d- I don't know why he even assessed her, but um, nonetheless, it's irrelevant. But uh, we didn't find out anything other, uh, only other that she's alive. Um, so, you know, we were a little bit um, in the dark there as regards sort of where we're at with her. But, I mean, she's only actually run six times. Um, so, but she... That performance at Cheltenham, like Dermo said last year, I mean, it was unreal. Um, just trying to look at the the distances now because it was, what, 18 lengths? You know, 18... 18 yeah, she, la- she lapped them. <laughs> 18 lengths, you know, in, 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 a, in, in a grade two. Um, unbelievable. I know she was she was priced up to, to win well, but still, it was it was a hellish performance. Um, what were the other ones you mentioned, you know? So Mellon and Sharjah, I think they're probably the ones that are entitled to be at the top of this table. Mellon, we've seen come back. Sharjah's come back and won nicely. So we're looking at two very interesting runners for this. If Bouvardet was below Bouvardet's normal standard, um, they'd have to be high on the list. Yeah, I mean, Sharjah's only, only been to Cheltenham once and um, was fairly underwhelming, to be honest. Uh, I mean, they're, they're both rated 164. Um, look, Mellon... That was a real good effort at the festival last year. But nonetheless, I am a little bit worried um, what Dino mentioned earlier just about, because I've looked at Mullins' stats, you know, and it's not so much how the horses are running, it's the fact that he's not having many runners, um, you know. Yeah, he's quiet. He's really, it looks like he's he's really sorting through the ones that he's very, very sure and happy with that are actually fit and healthy and are going to actually turn up and give their running. Um, I mean, he's only had, uh, looked a few minutes ago, I mean, look, his stats aren't horrific, but for a stable of that size, the numbers are down runners-wise. Um, and it is slightly worrying, um, but we always see it leading up to Cheltenham. The, the, the markets tell a lot about that yard, don't they, as, as regards who's going to turn up and who's not. So, People have got to, you've just got to keep a close eye on it because it, it, it is a yard which, you know, come Cheltenham time, it really can frustrate an awful lot of people because, you know, Willie Mullins is saying one thing, but the market is, is actually telling you the truth. Um, so it can be. And we saw that with Mellon last year. I mean, it was an almighty punt on the day as well. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Um, so I, I think this yard in particular, Sometimes you can gauge more by actually being guided by the market rather than the quotes that you're going to get uh, online on on the TV or whatever. So you've got to tread carefully. Termo, I'm coming to you. And what I want you to do is to wrap your head around those two animals and give us a selection. If you were punting today in the champion hurdle, where would your money be going? And Bouvardet is a fair answer. I think there's still a bit of juice in that price. If you think Bouvardet is, uh, is going to be crowned again. Yeah, Dean. I mean, the big, the, the gas thing I see here is that, you know, Arctic fire won the County hurdle off 158. Could you imagine if, uh, if Lorena ran in it of 155, imagine how many, uh, how many sore heads there'd be after that. But the, um, but definitely, Mellon, the one problem I have with Mellon is that Mellon's only won two races in his whole career, despite all the chat we've had about him. He's won a terrible maiden hurdle and a WKD hurdle up and down Royal. I think Rasham was second to him that day. Um, apart from that, he hasn't managed to win another race, apart from some, some huge runs. 
I just don't see really where the improvement's going to come enough considering Nicky Henderson did say that Bouverdere had a bad season last year as far as work went. So if Bouverdere is back to some bit of himself again, I don't see Mellon turning that around. Uh, Charge has made hay while the sun has shined in regards to the fact that the division over here is quite weak. Super Sunday is too slow. Mellon needed the run. So I think Charge has been kind of picking up as, as brilliant as he has been and as impressive. I just struggle to see how a horse that finished eight in what was a week Supreme Novices hurdle can now kick on and all of a sudden be uh, a champion hurdle contender um, is something that I'm kind of questioning. Uh, when you go down further through it, brain power, it, no, just just no. Uh, Super Sunday, as I said, he's too slow. And the two that kind of interest me, and I have had small bets on them, is Espor Dallin and uh, Saldier. Now, only two horses um, age five or older, age five years old, have won this race since 1985. So I'm not exactly on the stats side here, but Espor Dallin was has been brilliant, won really well last time at Limerick. Um, that was a serious time. Simon Rowlands put it up and said that he is a champion hurdle contender based on that. He absolutely kicked Morning Ireland aside, who had, uh, or Stormy Ireland, sorry, absolutely kicked that horse aside. And that horse was had won really well before that. So it's not foreign to be sniffed at as far as they are still four-year-olds, though, who ran in that race. And Saturday, I thought, had the beating of Esper Dallin that day at Nace. Now, he hasn't been seen since. I'm hoping that he is okay. I think he fractured a cheekbone that day, but they've always taught a lot of Salé and that win at Punchestown Festival last year was really strong. They're both 33 to 1 or so and I just think there's much worse each way bets because I'm kind of dismissing the next four or five in the market. You've got Boomer there and I think it's anyone's race for the places or even to surprise the favourites. So two outsiders, two five-year-olds, um, Espor Dallin and Salé and if either of them win, you can you can find me in the Guinness tent on the Tuesday day. Yeah, send your checks <laughs> in uh, care of the race hour and Dermot um, Nolan um, if that comes off. Uh, Paddy, I know you know we talked about Apple's Jade. If you were going to get involved in this market right now, if Apple's Jade was going to run, I assume you'd be all over the 12 to 1. But as we don't know... Uh, I mean, look... I think Dermo is right that she isn't going to turn up. It's just a bit, it's, it's a bit of a dream, really. I, I just think on, on what I've seen over this year and just Jack Kennedy's reaction of, of, of the feel he's probably been getting off her, um, I just think she's better than ever. Uh, so I, I really wish we could see her. I have been impressed with the Irish horse of, of Gavin Cromwell's as Port Allen. I mean... The last time, the only time this horse ran in a Grade One, that's the last time it was beat, so it was found out there. Um, but the horse that won that race, you know, he's come out and beat him this year since. So Gavin Cromwell is doing a fantastic job with this horse, and he's probably the handicapper's probably underrated this horse a little bit at one five five. Um, I think because you know they've placed him very well, and he looks like a horse who is really on the improve and. I mean, at the prices, it probably represents pretty decent value, to be fair. But, you know, simply because I know Gavin Cromwell's an up-and-coming trainer, but it's, you know, he, he's a smaller stable compared to some of the gigs who are going to be turning up here. Um, so that would be an interesting one if he was to hold that entry. Yeah, fascinating. And it, like like Dermot said, it's hard for a five-year-old, but... You know, Gavin Conroe, he he does remarkable things with the with the few that he has, and he's hugely well respected. Very interesting shout. I'm a Vadana Blue fan. Um, I did think that she would get close to Bouvardet. I didn't actually expect her to beat Bouvardet at Kempton, but at twelve to one, there's a sniff of value left in that price. Um, I'm fascinated to see whether Bouvardet can go and get this done for the third time. Look, 
lads, it's been a pleasure having you back on the return of the race hour, of course, brought to you with gambling.com, uh, Paddy Asport and Dermot Nolan. Thanks very much. We'll do it again next week. <laughs>